Welcome to another broadcast of Hope for the Heart. My name is William Rogers, and I'm doing a verse-by-verse study through the book of Revelation. And this week I'm going to put a pause in chapter 13 of Revelation, like I did last week. And I'm going to jump to another verse of Scripture that would be a complementary passage or a particular book of the Bible that deals with the Antichrist, because that's the subject that seems to be getting a lot of attention uh, in, in several people that I'm reading and, and following along. And some of you have told me the same. So I just want to cover as much as I can because basically we're looking at facts about the Antichrist. Facts that I think are drawn straight from the Scripture, not just things I think are facts, things that I think the Word of God says are facts. And so the uh, subject today is the mystery of the Antichrist. And I'm going to be dealing with specifically, and I encourage you to get your Bible and follow along if you would like, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 through 9, a tremendously exciting passage of Scripture. And I want to, uh, that's what was last week's uh, message too, or taken from that. And so I want to continue in that vein with a different title. And so uh, my context is verses 3 through 9 of 2 Thessalonians. That's the 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Let me begin reading from the Word of God, and we'll see uh, what, how I can uh, begin this today. Uh, verse 3, the Word of God says, Let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first. And the man of lawlessness is revealed the son of destruction who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. Do you not remember that while I was still with you, I was telling you these things? And you know what restrains him now, so that in his time he may be revealed? For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until... He is taken out of the way. And then that lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming, that is, the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan, with all power, signs, and false wonders. And that's that's where I'm going to try to go today. So again, this is talking about the Antichrist. And I've chosen this because it parallels... Revelation chapter 13. We don't get to see too much about the Antichrist or the false prophet in Revelation 13, so I want to pretty much uh, enhance that as much as I possibly can. So we began last week by looking at this, and if you haven't uh, listened to last week, I encourage you to go back and listen to it, because I do uh, I do go through verses uh, 3, 4, <clears throat> and uh, 5, 6, and even get into 7 some. Yeah, I will hit some of these back again, but the main thing I want to talk about today is really the these. I'm qualifying these. Is even though my subject or my title of the message is the mystery of the Antichrist, I'm dealing with facts, things we need to know about the Antichrist. And so here in this passage, we begin looking at this book because this is a a book of encouragement. We we stressed that last week. He's encouraging the believers there that they have not been left behind. No, the rapture has not happened. The day of the Lord has not happened. There are people out there distorting what Paul has been teaching. And though they are, they are really concerned about this, so concerned that he writes in chapter 2 of Second Thessalonians, uh, Now, we request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, which is the rapture. In verse 2, he says that you may not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed 
either by a spirit or a message or a letter, as if it were from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. In other words, it's really shaking them up. So he's calming them down, and he gives them some things here in verses 3 through 9 that we began looking at last week. The first one was don't be deceived. Uh, that's the first number one on the outline last week was do not be deceived. Uh, in fact, Christ even talks about this in Matthew chapter 24. Deception is creating anxiety. It's creating fear. Do not be deceived by bad theology. And folks, you know as well as I do, there is a truckload of bad theology out there. Uh, and it just it scares me. But let me tell you something. Bad eschatology is bad theology. Eschatology is just that, that million-dollar word. It just means end times, study of end times. But bad eschatology is bad theology, and bad eschatology is deception. Bad eschatology is perhaps as common or more common than any other category of theology that gets misrepresented. It's a major effort of Satan to cause believers to live in fear. And many live in fear of the end times or things coming because they don't understand some of the things that are going on. So Paul's first exhortation to him is, do not be deceived. He says that in verse 3, let no one in any way deceive you. For it will not come, meaning the day of the Lord, it will not come unless something else happens first. So the second point of the last week's outline was don't be forgetful. And reviewing just a minute, he says that because he's re reminding them that when he was with them, he told them these things. But then he says, the, uh, be aware that, uh, don't you remember that I talked to you about this? For it will not come unless the apostasy comes first. Apostasy, that was a word, and I've gotten several things this week. It's, it's, it's a word that just simply means defection. I'll give you a brief review. Apostasy, it literally means defection. It's an event clearly and specifically identifiable by the deceptive, uh, a descriptive word, the, T-H-E. In other words, there's been a lot of this through the ages, through the times. But this is referring to a certain period of time or a certain event or category that is marked off by the definite article, the. It is an event clearly and specifically identifiable. It's the specific, I can't even talk, specific apostasy or the consummate act of rebellion, an event of final magnitude. And it's, uh, you can't really look at this without looking at the person of that, and that is the Antichrist. He's going to do that exactly. You can see, and we talked about this last week. Uh, you can read this in verse 4. I don't want to rehash all of last week. But it's very important that we understand, do not be deceived, do not be forgetful. And then he said, don't be ignorant. And this is where I, I, I'm really basing all, all of last week, most of last week and all of this week on that one fact. Don't be ignorant of these things. Know these things about the Antichrist. Which is why I'm calling this the mystery of the Antichrist, because it is a mystery, because he's not been revealed yet. And that's basically what it says. Number one uh, of, of, uh, under this uh, today is he is a revealed individual. Uh, now, he's a real person, and I'm going to get into that in just a minute. He is an actual person. I'm going to come back to that. But he's going to be revealed. There's going to be a revelation about him, and it says that you know what's restraining him now from being revealed, and that is there's something else blocking. The word revealed there means, means to uncover. This revelation of him, he used it of the Antichrist or the man of lawlessness in verse 3, he will be revealed. The lawless one will be revealed when it's time. And that's so important for us to understand. Uh, I know I made a comment last week and several questioned it, and I said, 
This is perhaps a, uh, it's a, it's an imitation of the incarnation. Christ was the incarnate Son of God who was uh, God in the flesh, uh, brought to earth, and, and his name is Jesus, and he walked among the earth. But the Antichrist, is in, he's trying to imitate that. He will be revealed, but not now. But he is, a, 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 I guess, a counterfeit of, of the son of his father, the devil. Now, this is not really an incarnation. It is type, it's kind of like a type of one. He's, this individual won't be a, uh, a, a, the devil in the flesh like Christ was God in the flesh. This will be a human being, just a real individual, human man, that will be uh, possessed by Satan. And he says in this verse, what there's something that restrains him from being revealed in this time, and so he's holding it back. He says, what's restraining him? What's holding that back? And because, you know, we, we, we've been through a, a lot in our history, uh, the church history, uh, and, and, and we've seen so many things. If you took, just take a look at church history, you can probably pretty much conclude that Satan probably would have already had the Antichrist had he had his way. He would have already done it because we know what his purpose is, uh, his purpose is to go against God's way, go against uh, his purpose, go against the Jews, wipe them out, destroy them. Well, it hasn't happened. We haven't seen the Antichrist. And that's something that's amazing. We, we must remember the Antichrist has never come before. As of this point, we have not seen the Antichrist. We've seen some Antichrist. We've seen the spirit of Antichrist. I'm going to get into that in just a moment. But there's something holding him back. Well, what is it? Some people think it's the gospel. We looked at that last week. But uh, we, we also realize there is something else that is, that is there. And I, I call this, for lack of a better way to express it, it's divine. God, basically, is holding this back. Uh, there is, the restrainer is, is, is divine. He says in verse 6, and you know what restrains him now so that in his time he may be revealed. In other words, he's going to be revealed, but what's holding him up now? It cannot be humans. It cannot be angels. Uh, it, it, it has to be something else. This man of lawlessness, this final and ultimate embodiment of lawlessness, uh, the son of destruction, will be revealed, but there's something more powerful than him now. And he calls this the mystery. The mystery, in fact, he says that in verse 7, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. We're not talking about a, a, a mystery like we see on TV or a mystery in a book. We're talking something very real here. The gospel of the New Testament is the mystery in the sense that it wasn't fully revealed in the Old Testament. The rapture of the church is really called a mystery because it is not really revealed in the Old Testament. Uh, so there are some things that are mystery, but this mystery, the hidden reality of the revelation of the Antichrist, has not yet come. The mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Lawlessness is unfolding all around us. We've seen, oh, how we have seen it this week in demonstration over all that has happened in, in Memphis, Tennessee, which just breaks my heart to hear of that teacher uh, who was out jogging early in the morning, was abducted and and. Just it's awful. I just I can't even hardly even think about it. 
But we know the evil in the world. We know that all is going on here. But we face the question is, what is this power? Who is this that can do this? What is it that can do this that verse 7 is talking about? Holding back the revelation, keeping it from being revealed to the earth and to the inhabitants of the earth, who this is. Well, that leaves us. I've said it's divine, but the best answer to that is the Holy Spirit. He is the divine one who strives and, and, and holds this back. He's not going to leave the world at the rapture. He's still going to be here. He's still going to be doing the work of the Holy Spirit, exalting and glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to also let it be out. Let it be uh, stop restraining the the restra- the uh, re- revelation of the Antichrist. He's going to actually allow that. It says until the Holy Spirit gets out of the way, the Antichrist cannot come. So, it says that in verse 8, and then the lawless one will be revealed, but listen to what it says in verse 7, just to reframe, or to re- repeat what I've said. He, will now, he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. That's the Holy Spirit. Until the Holy Spirit gets out of the way. Now, that doesn't mean, like I said, he's not going to leave the world at the rapture. He's going to stay. We've talked about this many times of all the people Thousands and thousands of people will be saved during the tribulation period. And so, in fact, I had somebody ask me this week, if I don't get saved and the rapture happens, could I still be saved after the rapture? And I said, well, you know, I I have no idea. I have no idea what God's up to, but I know this. As long as there's breath in you and you're alive, you can be saved. That I just I think that's true. God, I don't know what God's going to do, who He's going to save, who He's not going to save, uh, but I do know that what it means is He stops the restraining work, the Holy Spirit holding back Satan. He's restraining Satan from sending the Antichrist. So that is a major thing to see. So when the time comes, the Antichrist will show up. He will show up at the beginning of the week of the seven years. Daniel refers to as the seven weeks of Daniel meaning seven years, as I said, riding a white horse with a bow, no arrows, uh, he goes forth to conquer. He doesn't take long before all kinds of judgments break out. Uh, he becomes the the uh, coveted protector of Israel. Uh, Daniel 9 says he signs a, a, a covenant or a pact with Israel to protect them. Uh, does the very opposite, and halfway through he begins to blaspheme God, goes after Israel to slaughter all the Jews, um, so the Holy Spirit is the one who deals with the sin. He is restraining Satan from full, final lawlessness in the form of the ultimate Antichrist. This one who restrains is the Holy Spirit. He restrains this revelation of the Antichrist. That's the mystery of the, the Antichrist. We can't guess who it is. And even if you, you guess it right, how, how are you going to know if you guess it right? Because we are not going to be here. The rapture of the church will take place, and we will not know. So, and I don't think we're going to be looking down on heaven, kind of folding our hands back and forth and rubbing them together, thinking, okay, who is it? Who is it? I can't wait to see who it is. No, we're not going to be concerned with that. So, a sense of this entire passage, as we look at it, is that Satan, while perfectly aware of the fact that he cannot become incarnate, he cannot become... uh, who he would like to become. Nevertheless, he would like to imitate the second person of the Trinity, which is Jesus Christ. He is going to be a counterfeit 
Christ to the world. He's going to be an antichrist. He's going to be a, a so-called hope or savior for the world, which is counterfeit. That's not what he is. Satan wants this man. He wants a man over whom he can have absolute, complete control, and that's the antichrist. He wants a man who will perform his will as thoroughly as Jesus did his father's will. In fact, you can look back at John chapter 14 and see just how much Jesus is speaking about this. But as of yet, the devil is frustrated in his attempt to put his plan into operation because he's being held back, held back by the Holy Spirit until the divinely decreed moment when the restrainer, verse 7, is taken out of the way. As soon as that happens, verse 8, of the Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Look at verse 8. And then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will slay with his mouth. The Holy Spirit steps aside, steps aside the, that restraining power, a swiftly a fierce satanic work will begin. I slowed that down just a second to emphasize we have no idea how bad that's going to be. My wife was reading. She's began studying the book of Revelation because she says she's never done it. Now, she's not listening to my tapes or my podcasts. She's doing it on her own. She's reading it, trying not to ask me a lot of questions, which I've told her, don't do that. Ask me. Let me help you. But she's got a commentary, and every day, I think it says, she says, this book is so heavy. This book is so unbelievable. I can't even imagine teaching this book. Well, I've had pastors tell me that. I've had pastors call me say to me, you're either brave or stupid. Uh, I would never attempt that. Well, I, I don't think I'm brave and I don't think I'm stupid. I just think feel led that we have to teach the full counsel of the Word of God. Revelation is as much God's Word as the Psalms or the Gospel of John. All these are. And so I, I believe it's very important to understand this and to understand that uh, the the Holy Spirit will be set aside at a certain point during the tribulation period, and that work will be revealed as to who it is. Revelation 6 through 19, that whole section, it begins with the lawless ones being revealed. And we've mentioned this time after time after time. Now, as I've said, this is a, a thing dealing with facts. So I want to get into something. I know I don't have a lot of time, and this is a broad subject. But I want to cover it because it's so important. Uh, this that we're talking about, this revelation here, the restrainer holding it back, is holding back the revelation of a real individual, a real person. Well, what kind of person could this be, you might ask? And that's what I want to look at for just a few minutes. What kind of person would this be? I want to help you understand that by giving you a picture. I don't want you to think of the Antichrist as some kind of an abstract term or as, as I was to ask this week, is it going to is he going to be a monster? Is he going to be hard to look at? Is it, no, he's going to be an individual. It's an actual person, but there's a model of this person. I know it's a horrible thing to talk about this individual who I'm fixing to mention, but looking through human history, the most obvious, the most well-known model for this kind of person, not that this is the one, but this kind of a person is Adolf Hitler. Now, most of you probably weren't around when Adolf Hitler was around. I wasn't around. I'm too, I'm too uh, young. I, I, that's weird for me to say that, but I'm too young. Uh, I mean, I'm too old. Which is it? I don't know. Uh, I'm too young to remember that. I was not around when he was around. 
But Adolf Hitler is, he's a model of this kind of a person. Hitler desired to rule the world. Most people realize that. He was a, a global, he had global designs. We would call him a globalist today. And he would fit more into today than he did in his day. He's decided he would destroy the Jews. Well, he hated the Jews. He hated some other races, but he hated the Jews. This puts him right at the heart and soul of all anti-God, anti-Christ efforts. He definitely had the spirit of anti-Christ that 1 John talks about. He attempted to destroy the Jews in order to destroy the purposes of God through them. This is what the Antichrist will do in the future when he's revealed. He's going to do the same thing. He's going to attempt to destroy the Jews in order to destroy God's purposes. Adolf Hitler was not just a man uh, deprived or, or, or lacking in his senses or driven by some bizarre passion. He was a demon possessed at the most profound level. He is a prime example of the coming Antichrist that we're studying now, looking for, uh, waiting for his, uh, the revelation of him uh, that the world will see. We're not waiting for the actual revelation. We know that as it gets closer to when it seems like it's going to be revealed, that means the rapture is even closer. But there's a lot of information written about uh, Hitler that I just want to cover real quick that some of you may not know. Uh, here, here's a quote from one of the people who, know, who, knew, one of, who knew him best. It says this, he quotes, It is impossible to understand Hitler's political plans unless one is familiar with his basic beliefs and his conviction that there is a magical relationship between man and the universe. Uh, and by saying that, they introduce the reader. This is from uh, several, uh, several different books that are out on him. They introduce the reader to a mysticism in which Hitler lived. Deep, dark connections with demonic powers. I never knew that. I never knew he had a deep, dark connection with demonic powers. He saw a miracle of his own destiny, Hitler did, as an, as an action of unseen supernatural forces. Uh, so he was heavily involved in this. And, and there was a group that was on the earth or studying and representative in, during a different time uh, in a book written in 1972 disclosed who these people were. And they are called the Hollow Earth Society. And gives us, this gives us more insight into Hitler's connection to the demon world if we were to explore that. I don't want to explore that. I'm just mentioning this to give you uh, an idea of just how bad, how evil how demonic this dictator who's not yet been revealed is going to be to the earth. Uh, they believe that the earth is basically hollow and inside the earth are these supernatural beings that we would probably call demons who live and exist and they're they are all superpowers and if we don't give in or, or bow down to them, uh, they will find ways to connect with them and, and they will destroy us if we just ignore them. The hollow earth society, Hitler... And his people around him were into this as deeply as you can be into it. It, is a, it was a preoccupation of them. They actually believed the earth was hollow and held these advanced beings. And if we don't succumb to them, we're ultimately going to be enslaved to them. One, one writer quotes this, Nazis, The Nazi record seized after the fall of the Third Reich indicated that Hitler and his henchmen launched several expeditions to the hollow earth, trying to get in touch with this. They were always trying to find a way to the hollow earth, and there are a list 
of readings that are just numerous out there of things that relate to this. It's also mentioned in writings in Hinduism, Buddhism. It's mentioned in certain tribes in American Indians. It was part of the ancient German mythology. And that's perhaps where Hitler got connected to it. Now, this may not be interesting to you at all, but I just want to bring this out because it is interesting to me to see just how this man is, is going to be worse than Hitler. It's a bizarre kind of thing that prompted Hitler. These demons communicated, prompted Hitler to use children. Now listen to this. Hitler, through uh, directly related to the occult perceptions of the Hollower Society, uh, and I'm reading this as a quote from the, one of the books, from that hollow earth perspective on children, he developed what is called the adolescent werewolves. Sounds like a cartoon or something, but it's not. It's serious. These were young children in black uniforms from the ages of about 8 to 13 who had sinister death heads on their sleeves. And Hitler at one point had 8.8, listen to this, 8.8 million of such children, part of a demonic force. And the the whole reign of people around him was entirely wielded uh, to black and demonic occult. One of his generals who encouraged Hitler and supposedly had complete control over Hitler, was under demonic influence. And he writes this. He demonstrates some amazing demonic psychic powers. He had control over Hitler, and uh, he was heavily involved in black magic and controlled Hitler to the fullest, it is said. This uh, uh, One of the uh, generals to Hitler uh, was... In full power, the magi- magician behind Hitler and his demonic legions says this, uh, that Hitler was a medium connecting with the demons. The swastika was a magical sign from the Orient in Europe as well as demonic origin. So there's all kinds of information out there showing that Hitler was involved in the occult and into the demonic world itself. Uh, one of the founders of Nazism were all, uh, several of the seven founders of Nazism, and I'm trying to read this at the same time and talk, were all deep into the occult. And one of the books about this says, one cannot help but think of him as a medium, that is Hitler. For most of the time, the mediums are ordinary, insignificant people. Suddenly they're in, in, endowed with what seems to be a supernatural power, which is, describes Hitler almost to a T. He was in this way beyond any doubt. Hitler was possessed by forces beyond himself demonic forces which the individual named Hitler was only the temporary vehicle. Boy, does that not sound like what we're, what's coming upon this earth through the, the Antichrist? Those close to him said that when he spoke openly in public, he had completely different voice than his normal voice because demons were speaking through him. This is what people who were around the inner circle of him, who knew him best, that he had demons speaking through him. Quoting Hitler, he said, What will the social order of the future be, comrades? I will tell you. Overall will reign a new, exalted nobility of whom I cannot speak. He was literally talking about demonic rule. Perhaps even, one suggests, that perhaps he was able to see into the future a bit of this coming, the Antichrist, who will be in full control over the demonic world and the earth itself. It is an, it's an amazing thing. He was literally talking about demonic or demon rule. He was possessed of Satan. He was the tool by which Satan 
thought to take demonic control over the whole world. In interviewing witnesses, this book says, Behavior, one eyewitness account was striking to me, this writer. Here's the record of the eyewitness. Remember, this is an eyewitness who observed this. A person close to Hitler told me, that he wakes up in the night screaming and in convulsions he calls for help. He appears to be half paralyzed. He is seized with panic that makes him tremble on his bed until it shakes. He utters confused, unintelligible sounds, grasping as if the point of suffocation. Hitler was standing in his room swaying and looking all around as if he were lost. It's he, it's he, it's he. He comes for me. He groans. This is what the eyewitness says about Hitler as he was with him one night. His lips were white. He was sweating profusely. Suddenly, he ordered a string of meaningless figures, that words and scrapes of sentences that he was terrified, and he was terrifying in itself to even look at and observe. Suddenly, he screamed, There they are in the corner. He is there all the time stomping his feet and screaming. Quoting Hitler, he said, there's another species of humanity which doesn't deserve the name humanity, left as a relic of some baser form of life, created along the hideous crawling creatures like gypsies or Jews. Hitler goes on, these are far removed from any animals as, as you can be. They are not human and they are not really animals. I don't mean I look on other things as representative of these. They are creatures outside of nature. These are creatures outside of nature. These are people, this is what he's in touch with. This is the mind. This is what's going on in his mind as he's trying to rule. And he was a tremendous ruler. Not good, tremendous in the sense of extent leader. He controlled those around him. This is the spirit of Antichrist. That's what I want you to see. It's the spirit of Antichrist doing essentially what all the other Antichrists through the ages of human history have done. And that is obliterate the purposes of God through the people of Israel. That is why the Jews and not some other group of people, although he said things about other groups, and I'm not even going to mention those, it was the Jews that he was after, just like it's going to be the Jews of this one called the Antichrist. He's going after them. I know it's horrible to consider all this about Adolf Hitler, but I want you to understand when we talk about the Antichrist, Folks, we're talking about something. Some, we're not talking about an abstract idea. We're not talking about uh, someone who is to be taken lightly. He is a model. Hitler is a model of that kind of person. Anti-God. Anti-God. Satan-driven. Demon-possessed. Essentially trying to unleash hell on the earth. This final man of lawlessness that 2 Thessalonians is talking about is an actual person. He is a man of lawlessness. He is referred to as the son of destruction. He will be Satan's tool to destroy Israel. That's what he's going to try to do. And Christians fit right into that group as well. He's going to blaspheme God, blaspheme Christ, destroy all worship except the worship of himself, lead the entire world to hell as best he can. And as John said, there are many antichrists. That's first. That's the gospel, uh, or that's the first John. It says that there are many antichrists. There's a spirit of rebellion at, at all times against God, against Christ. It's always been there. It's not new. It will find its way into the incredibly powerful final form, known as the antichrist, the antichrist. So yes, this book of Thess- Second Thessalonians talks about this. 
And then, now I know I did not get very far into Second Thessalonians because I wanted to give you the type of person this is. What kind of person would this be? Well, it's going to be that kind of a person, like a Hitler, who is going to be completely over the world. It's going to be demanding of people. He's going to take a seat in the very temple in Jerusalem. The tribulation temple declare himself as God. You talk about, you see, we don't, as, as, a, as a body of believers today in our world, we, we can see evil. I mean, what happened in Tennessee this week was terrible. But that's no comparison to what is going to be unleashed when the Antichrist is unleashed and his power is reigning and people are seeing it or feeling it or fearing it. Folks, we need to know a lot about this Antichrist. Because I'll tell you what, our hope is not in our knowledge of him. Our hope is in Christ. Our hope is in who Jesus is. Our revelation uh, that we're looking at in the book of Revelation, it's a revelation not of the Antichrist. That's predicted in, in 2 Thessalonians. But the book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ that we are to get excited about. He is our hope for our heart. He is the one who is our true Savior. We must look to him, confess him as Lord. Thank you today. You have been listening to another broadcast of Hope for the Heart. And again, I thank you for listening today.